0: Ministry Mentorship, Episode
1: 32.
0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you about our next Ministry Mentorship Live Bible Study taking place on February 25th at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Pastor Micah Wisdom will be our guest speaker, and we'll be talking about developing our character. This is going to be a great study, and I know you'll want to make time to join us. Uh, If you want to know more, you can go to ministrymentorship.com backslash Bible-study or look for the link on our website. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Pastor Paul Graham. Brother Graham is the pastor of the United Pentecostal Church of St. Laurent, or Saint-Laurent, in Quebec, where he has served faithfully for over 24 years. I hope I'm saying that right. (laughs) But Brother Graham has a passion for multicultural ministries and pastors a culturally diverse congregation. His life is an example of someone who has a desire to reach all nations with the gospel. Let's join the conversation now. Okay, we're thankful to have Brother Graham with us today, Brother Paul Graham, and he is from Saint Laurent uh, in Canada. Am I saying that right?
1: Yes, it's part. Saint uh, Laurent is actually part of the city of Montreal. It's part of the metro area.
0: Okay, and he's been he's been pastoring for over forty years. Uh, it's just an honor to have him, Brother Graham. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Glad to be able to help.
0: Now, tell us a little bit of your story.
1: Well, I was born in the province of New Brunswick in eastern Canada, and fortunate to be born and raised in an apostolic home. My mom and dad received the apostolic message when they were in their teens. The The message came into the area where we grew up. It was a rural area, and uh, they both accepted the truth and Baptized in Jesus' name, received the Holy Ghost, and then got married. And so I was fortunate to be born and brought up in an apostolic home and in an apostolic church. It was a a small uh, country church, about 100 people. And so I, at about seven years old, I was baptized during a a revival we had with an evangelist and received the Holy Ghost about two years later. And uh, I was. Born and raised on a farm, so so farm life and country life was something that I uh, was used to and really really loved.
0: So so how did that translate into the big city? Now you're in the big city. Is there any was there any uh, transition time there?
1: Oh yes, for sure. Well, I started off, uh, of course, become involved in my in my own home church, uh, got involved in outreach, an usher, then a musician, worship leader. Sunday school teacher, youth leader. I did just about every job there was in the church at one time or another. And then, you know, I made the statement that I never ever wanted to be a pastor. But (laughs) when I I graduated from high school, I I had two career opportunities open to me, but I also had a chance to go to Bible school. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the Bible school known as Northeast Christian college. Now it was under a different name back then. And, I kind of felt like I should go to the Bible school just for one year to get it off my conscience and then get on with my life. Hmm. I went to the Bible school. I paid only for the first semester, figuring that if I wanted to get out, I wasn't going to lose all my money. And uh, I went the first semester, stayed for the second semester, and then went back for second and third year. And uh, still not ever planning to be a pastor, but between my second and third year, third year was the graduating year. I went to assist in a, in a church in the northeast part of the province, and while I was there, I spent the summer working on a chicken farm, uh, getting paid a dollar fifty an hour to raise my money to go, back, to go back to Bible school for my third year. Work six days a week, and uh, but in the evenings I would. I would feel drawn to go to the little church that, that I was helping out in. It was a, a small church in a town. And I would go there at nights and I'd be drawn down into a Sunday school room where I would go through periods of great intercession and mm. praying and weeping before the Lord. And the Lord gave me a passage of Scripture from Isaiah 55 and 5. that said, you will call a nation that you do not know and nations that don't know you will run unto you because of the Lord your God. And I didn't of course have any clue at that time where where this was gonna take me, but that's uh that that turned out to be a, a fulfilling prophecy later on in my in my ministry and in my life. And I graduated from Bible school in nineteen seventy four. Uh I went to assist in another church for uh a short time and then then got married and went back and assisted in my, my home church the country church where I grew up and I always figured that if I did end up in the ministry it would be in a in a country church but mm. I got a call in nineteen seventy five to go to Ontario to pastor in one of the churches there in the suburb of Ottawa. So that was kind of my first experience with a with a larger metro area. And I pastored there for a year and a half and then uh felt to come to Montreal and I came here in nineteen seventy six and I've been here ever since. Wow got here i studied uh i took french courses learned learned french and, and started the French daughter work they weren't called daughter works in those days it was just kind of starting a church within a church and mm-hmm. uh started the, the the French work here and then of course as i explained earlier the the pastor of the english church left in nineteen seventy nine and and uh, or nineteen seventy eight and then w- one pastor came and stayed for one year and then left, and the district superintendent didn't have anybody else available, so asked me if I'd be willing to take over the English Church for six months until they got a pastor. And that was 1980, and so I'm still filling in.
0: <laughs> That's great. Wow, what a what a testimony, and and I really appreciate what you said earlier that you started out just doing all different kinds of things and. And I'm sure when you started out, you know, p- doing music or helping in Sunday school, you probably never thought that you'd be where you are today. Talk a little bit about that That's and right. how in, in your start in ministry.
1: Well, I I just, you know, had any door that opened. I just kind of, I, I never had to push a door open or ask for anything. Doors open, the pastor would approach and say, uh, Okay, uh, you know, you, would you like to help out in the ushering ministry? We need people to help. And so when a door opened, I I walked through it. And then there was a lady in the church who, she was an elder lady, and she had a kind of a, a crush on me as a young man. I don't mean that in a, in a negative way, but mm-hmm. she, she kind of treated me like her own son. And sure. she felt that I should become musical she bought me a trumpet now, i never had any desire to learn to play but <laughs> after she bought me the trumpet i felt a kind of obliged to learn and i did uh-huh. and so started playing you know in the church orchestra and so i got involved in music ministry played the drums for a while became you know a worship leader sound as well and became sunday school teacher later youth leader as well so i did in you know, almost all of the jobs in the church but I never ever asked for them or pushed for them it just sort of came to me and I was willing you know to do what I was asked to do and I think that's one of the keys that, that people need to learn I never mm-hmm. I was never looking for a pulpit I I just wanted to help yeah and I think if if young uh, people have aspirations for for ministry just start out by being willing to do whatever god puts in front of you to do and do it give it your best shot amen and of course of course going to bible school you know was a great inspiration as well uh you know the the teachers who taught in the school most of the teachers in those days were volunteers and they were pastors and elders that came in and taught different days of the week at the school and they were a great influence on my life
0: talk a little bit about that and and those early influences, uh, you know, when you're in Bible school, there's an opportunity to, to connect uh, in a very special way, I would say, because you're in the classroom so much, you're interacting, and, and there's people that can really uh, help you and speak into your life. Talk about those early influences and some of the things that you, you took away from those relationships.
1: We had different uh, teachers uh we had one man who, of course, was very evangelistic, had a mighty anointing on his ministry, and he he would inspire us with stories of how God had used him, and of course, that was great faith-building mm-hmm. uh, for us, and there was another man who was an elder man, very wise and very grounded in the Scripture, and of course, he, he showed into us a hunger to to study and learn the Word of God, and of course the word and the spirit work together in ministry and and these these elders would come and they would teach and then they, they would be open to questions if we wanted to uh, to talk uh, they would they would let us ask questions our classes weren't that large in those days so uh, you know they would connect with us and then they would go to the dining hall and sometimes you know we'd be able to sit and talk to them and ask questions uh, then, of course, go to their the churches on weekend ministry and observe what was happening. It was all a great learning process. And, uh, you know, if I give any advice to young people aspiring to the ministry, hang out with some of these people who have been uh, mightily anointed and blessed and used of God, and you can learn a lot of things from them.
0: Hmm. That's great. That is so true. And and. And maybe there's a young person right now that's saying, you know, brother Graham, I've I've never been to Bible school, and I'm in a position right now where I really, I really can't make that kind of a commitment, or I don't feel like that's, you know, the way that I need to go. Uh, what would you tell them as far as connecting with the with a mentor, with the with someone that can speak into their life?
1: Well, if you have a good pastor, there's your number one key guy to learn from. Right. Uh, if, if he if he has any time available to spend with you, uh, take advantage of that. If he's willing to do that, your pastor can speak positive things into your life, and, and you can learn things from him as well. One of the things that that has happened here in our own local areas is that we have opened up purpose institute. There are many people now who could not afford to go to a Bible school full-time uh, because of their you know, financial situations, families, etc. But the Purpose Institute is a great uh, system of being able to learn things that you would learn in a Bible school and yet not have to be there full-time. And if anything like that, a training program is available in an area, I would, I would urge young people to take advantage of that.
0: Now you talked earlier about how when you were in prayer and seeking after God that God had given you a scripture and and kind of you know just laid planted a seed in your heart about uh, multicultural ministries. Talk to us a little bit about that and and how that kind of came to fruition and where you are now.
1: When I became the pastor here in 1980, we were pretty much a majority white um uh, English speaking congregation. Um, I'm not sure how many people are aware of the political um, challenges that we face here in the province of Quebec, but there was a separatist movement that rose very strong in the 70s. And in fact, the year that I moved to the city of Montreal is the year that they were first elected to power. And of course, their ultimate goal is to take Quebec out of. Canada and make it its own nation. So in 1976, they got elected and began to pass some very draconian language laws forbidding any people going to English school if they were coming from another country or if they were uh, not qualified in certain areas, they would have to go only to French school. And what happened is that a a lot of people pulled up their roots and moved out of the province and left. And when they did, it left a huge uh, huge void in the city. There was tens of thousands of people left. I remember driving down streets and seeing blocks of apartment buildings just boarded up because nobody was left to live in them anymore. And after time passed, you know, the government realized that the greatest resource of, a, of, of any country is people. And they needed people, so they opened the doors wide to immigrants the first wave of people that came in were the boat people, the Vietnamese, the Cambodians, and Laotian people. And uh, they began to come and fill up the the empty buildings. And, of course, we lost a number of people out of our own church as well who transferred out because the companies moved them out. And the people that were there in our neighborhoods now, were, instead of being white-English-speaking people, were people from different countries of the world. And in doing our evangelizing and teaching Bible studies and so on, these are the kind of people that that we began to reach and, and, and bring into the church. And, of course, uh, the church evolved over a number of years until now. Uh, the white English people are the minority in the church, and people from everywhere else in the world are the majority. And we have people that are from about 60 different countries of the world in our own local congregation. And we run services in in English and French and Spanish and Tamil and Farsi and some in Tagalog as well. So we have uh, six services on Sunday in our, our own local church. We have two two sanctuaries, one major sanctuary and then a smaller chapel where smaller groups meet, so some of them are having service simultaneously.
0: That sounds like a that sounds like a very busy Uh, moving and growing atmosphere. Wow, that's exciting.
1: It is. We we built a new church in 1994, and now we've outgrown it, and we're trying to to get get property. There's been a couple of times we thought we had it nailed down, and then the city council blocks us because they're not excited about losing tax revenue on their properties. So we're still in the process of trying to find uh, property now.
0: Well, that's a that's a good problem to have, I guess.
1: <laughs> it is. It is.
0: Talk to that young person right now that, that while you're speaking that something's pulling at their heart and they're saying, you know, that's me. I, I feel that. You know, I'm going to be involved in that kind of a ministry someday. What would you tell them?
1: Well, prepare yourself spiritually. That's the number one key. Uh, develop a close relationship with god and a a deep daily prayer life and when you walk closer with god he's the one who opens the doors like i said earlier you know don't don't necessarily just aspire for a pulpit just begin to do what god opens up the greatest joy in the world is being a soul winner amen and that should be the number one aspiration of every child of God, be a soul winner, whether you ever get to a pulpit or not. But if you do feel that that's where God is leading you, it'll be God that will open up the doors. You won't have to force them open.
0: Amen. Now, some people might think, um, and and I'm I don't know if you speak every language of the people that you minister to, uh, but some people may think, well, I've got to speak all these languages, and I have to, you know, have all these things in order. But from what it sounds like you're saying, if you'll just open your heart to God and and love Him and love people around you, that God will bring people into your life, God will open those doors, would you say that's correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. I I speak English and French, and uh, I pastored the French congregation for quite a few years, along with the English congregation, and then in um, you know, I would develop a leader, and, and this happened in all of our, our, our ministries, is that we would find usually a key person there who had leadership qualities and also had you know, a burden for lost people, and we'd work with that individual, develop them, mentor them until they, you know, they were mature enough to take the responsibility, like our Spanish pastor, that's how that happened, same with our French pastor. our our Sri Lankan pastor and our Iranian pastor. All of these are are guys that we we mentored and trained here. And, you know, they were saved here and then they, they became eventually the leaders and the pastors of these other groups. Some of them, in fact, started them. Like the Sri Lankan pastor, he had a burden to start, you know, reaching his own people. So I told him, I said, well, why don't you start a service? And it began. And now they have a group of about 40 people in their uh, congregation and uh, it's uh these are these are men that, that were saved here and mentored here and trained here and I think that's the key to reaching the multicultural people is to find that key individual who can lead mentor and train them and 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 they have a burden to evangelize their own people and they go after it one of the exciting things about this also is that that some of these uh, people have reached back into their own countries and churches have started overseas because of them being saved here.
0: Well, that is that is amazing. And I wonder if you could just talk to that young person right now that's saying, Brother Graham, I, I feel like God is leading me in this direction, but but I've got these limitations. I've got my family. I've got schooling. I've got debt, bills. I've got all these things that just life in general – that I feel like is just hindering me. What would you tell a young person that's saying
1: that? Uh, again, I would tell them, develop a strong prayer life. It's a key uh, to open doors, walk close to God, uh, be sensitive to His voice, and walk through the doors that open where you're at right now. Uh, live one day at a time. Don't try to to envision yourself 10 years down the road and and, and preaching in a pulpit somewhere or with some great ministry, start from where you are now and, and go day by day walking with God. God opens doors and and be willing to go through them when he does open them.
0: Amen. And brother Graham, in closing, I wonder if you just take a minute and just say a prayer over that young person right now that, that is feeling that pull and that tug and feeling God talking to him. And would you just take a minute and, and, just pray over that young person. Sure.
1: Father, thank you today for your work, the greatest work in the whole world. And Lord, you said to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors into the harvest field. God, the harvest field is greater than it has ever been at any time in history. More people on the earth today than ever before. Father, I pray for the young people today that have desire. God, I pray today that they'll develop a strong personal walk and relationship with you. Know their God. Lord, you said they that know their God would be strong, do exploits. Father, I pray today they'll be submitted to you. Father, humble themselves before you. Be willing to do what you place in front of them. Father, their life will be used for the honor and the glory of God. Thank you today for young people, Lord, that do serve you in this wicked world. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking their lives and changing them, transforming them. And I pray, God, that you would lead and guide and direct them into the perfect will of God for their lives. That they be used for the honor and the glory of God. In Jesus'
0: name, amen. Amen. Brother Graham, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor to have you join us.
1: Glad to be able to do it. And God bless you for the work you're doing.
0: You've been listening to a ministry mentorship podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com where you'll find more interviews, inspirational quotes, and other resources to help you develop your ministry. Thanks for listening, and God bless.